Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello and welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am one of our co-hosts. I am Meredith Bond and I am here as always with the lovely. I am Prue Warren, representing people who know less about the writing field. Grateful to be with my co-host who knows more about the writing field. Indeed. Um, Prue, I am so excited today. You have brought one of your good friends on, Chuck Hall is the most sweet man I have ever not met. (laughs) We've been Facebook friends for a while. And so I know him from Facebook. But finally, finally, Chuck, it is so wonderful to meet you almost in person. It is wonderful to meet you too. Thank you so much. (laughs) Chuck is uh, your internet security specialist. Am I right? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I do a lot with cybersecurity and, and try to help people maintain a, a more secure environment. So oh, we all you need know, that. Mary, the coolest thing about Chuck is you can call him up and say, Chuck, I got a problem here. When can I put a listening device in someone else's house? He'll go, okay, <laughs> here's what you can do. <laughs> and how would you go about it? And I'm happy to help. <laughs> I know, it's very exciting. And all kinds of like, Oh my God, you can do that? Yes. Chuck, gets, Chuck I, without, without, uh, without letting any cats out of the bag, I believe you have tested security devices for governments with many initials in their names. I have. I know. It's so bitchin'. It's just very cool. Okay. Chuck <laughs> is, Chuck is our knowledge expert. And so, Chuck, you are going to talk to us today about two things, uh, which the, the latter of which I am dying to find out more about, and I'm sure that our listeners are the same, but I'm going to let you take over. You have prepared for us because this is an audio only podcast. You have prepared for us a PowerPoint. Yes, I have, because I I just need that as a placeholder for me. Um, You know, when you're doing talking points, it's good to have notes. So um, I I thought I would break this discussion today. We want to talk about cybersecurity for authors and marketers in general, um, and also to understand how a new feature Apple has released impacts the market in in all of your readers and listeners. So um, that's the one. Sorry. Yes. So um, I, I wanted to start by just talking general cyber hygiene, um, some things we all should know, um, just to keep things uh, kind of safer in our environment. First one is um, we should all be using some form of endpoint protection on all of our devices. Antivirus uh, programs are basically the condoms of the internet. Um, they prevent things from getting through that we don't want on our systems. Um, anti-malware and web browser protection software also helps in that regard, prevents the bad guys from slipping code in that we don't realize. Um, next thing. Wait a, wanna... minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop right there. Stop right there. Yeah. I... Questions. 
I all right, already questions. I okay. use Apple products and I think Mary does as well. And there no. a long you don't? Okay. No. I use Apple products and there was a long time when people would say Apple is closed source. It's very hard to get malware. Don't worry about it. But now I understand I'm supposed to be worrying about things. We, yeah, we should. Um, it's, and I use Apple products as well. And um, I, I think the, the bad guys get cleverer every day. No doubt. And, uh, and there are links that can still inject code into your system that you're not aware of. So, um, and those things can do, you know, minor things like track what you're doing online to pretty major things like steal your identity. So um, it's it's good to have some of these products in place. You know, I, okay. I use. Go ahead. Got, so, um, PC user here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, you're invulnerable. You're totally vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, you sweetheart. Um, so I used to use Kaspersky, mm-hmm. and then somebody I read somewhere that the new inbred windows security is just as good and you don't need to add on another paid program so the windows security program windows defender it's called is pretty good it still hasn't caught up with some of the big guys um you know we're, we're talking about norton and um some of the other uh paid programs mcafee um they they get I believe from what I've seen and what I've researched that they get the signatures for malware and other virus issues um, much faster. So they can, they discover them a little faster. They get the zero day vulnerabilities, um, you know, where somebody discovers something new, they call that zero day, the day that it's discovered. I think those programs are better at picking those kinds of things up. Windows Defender is certainly good. I personally use McAfee. Kaspersky, um, I'm going to say something about Kaspersky that some people might object to, but it's um, there are some links to the Russian government there. Oh, and really? I, I am oh a little God. bit nervous about using it. So, oh yes. Um, yeah, that's so I, I kind of I don't use that one. <laughs> OK, well, considering that I live in Ukraine, which is currently uh, on the brink of with Russia, maybe I should not use that one either. Yeah, it's something to think about, and I, I have some articles I can share on that too. But um, it's uh, my research indicates it might not be our best choice. So you recommend McAfee for Mac and PC? I do. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. I'm gonna do it right now Sophos, because I, I don't Sophos use it is another good one for uh, in the Apple world. Um, Say the name again. Sophos. It's called Sophos. Um, it's another... S-O-S? Yep. Okay. And that's another good one for, you know, for the Apple world. Um, it's, uh, uh, that's the one we've been using for my company on Apple products. So. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't, I'm not using, I, I am, I have not used the internet condom. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to love up. Thank you, Chuck. And, and you know, I'll help you set that up if you need. Thank so, you, darling. Um, I will need it. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing we want to be really, uh, really good about is making good backups. Um, if something happens, you know, your system goes down or you get some malware or some ransomware, it's good to have a base you can recover to. 
Uh, and I recommend that, that everyone use something. There's many different uh, backup programs out there. I use one online. It's called Backblaze. Um, it just makes a copy that's not in my home. So if there's a fire and I lose everything in my home, I don't have to worry about my backups. They're in a safe location. I have another question. I have another question. (laughs) I thought that I was backing everything up to the cloud, the mysterious, unknowable cloud. And it turns out it was backing up photos and music, but it wasn't backing up my word files. I mean, the only reason I'm here is for the damn word files. So Backblaze, it's going to record everything? Yeah, you can set it up to well record everything on your system. Um, there's other ones, too. Uh, you can use iCloud. There's some backup features there. Yeah, so many, many different choices. Dropbox has some options if you have Dropbox. I'm going to take you to lunch. I'm going to take you yeah. to lunch, boy. You're going to help me set all this stuff up. Okay. Sorry, I, I started to... using, I was using OneDrive, and then it asked me, me whether I wanted to back up automatically, and I said yes, and it deleted every file off of my computer. I panicked. Yeah. Some of them will actually move all your files to the cloud because they assume that you just want to, you know, have everything there and you're using multiple devices and you want it all in one central location. Um, I was really upset. And then Dropbox tried to do the same thing. What happened? How'd you get your stuff back? I, I just downloaded it back to my computer, but it was, they, changed the location of almost everything. I had to reorganize all of my files. I was working at this for days and days. And which program was this so so people know to avoid it? It was OneDrive, which is normally a very nice program to use as a backup because it's just this cloud storage and it comes free, a terabyte of data um, with, uh, with Microsoft 365, which I use. And all of a sudden, my computer was empty of everything. And, oh, my God, I nearly had a heart attack. So I'm an IT professional, and I fell for that same kind of scheme that they have in place. I didn't check the right box when I was setting up my backups, and it moved everything. It moved. It didn't copy. Right. I can remember being really pissed about it, too. (laughs) Yes. I wrote them so many nasty emails. I cannot tell you. Yes. Yeah. Wow. All right. And then Dropbox did the same thing or tried to. And yeah, I, it still is, it still was doing that to my picture folder. And now when I take a screenshot, it I don't have my screenshots folder on my computer anymore and they just go mm-hmm. nowhere. And I'm yeah. I I've lost that ability to take screenshots. I'm so annoyed. Yeah. Well, Chuck, what's the answer for someone who's not very technologically gifted and doesn't can't take you to lunch. How do people who don't know what they're doing not screw up when they're setting up something that's supposed to help? I, I think the first thing is to read the articles online. There, you know, there are some articles that talk about best the best backup software out there, and um, make sure you understand before you click the button what it's going to do. They often will tell you right up front, like Dropbox, if only I had read the little screen that they provided, told me it was going to move everything. And I just clicked the button because I'm an IT professional. I don't need to read all that stuff. So. <laughs> all right. So the answer is slow down and do your research. Do your research. Yes. Okay. All right. Beautiful. 
Thank you. That is very nice. Okay, thank you. We interrupted you. Continue on. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Um, another big one is uh, people fall for this all the time. There are all kinds of scams and schemes out there to get you to click on a link. They make it look like it's from your bank. They make it look like it's from your mother. They make it look like it's from, you know, anybody and everything to try to get you to click on a link that is then going to inject something into your system or give some information away. The big one I love is um, Capital One. I found recently, I got an email that said it was from Capital One and my account was locked. And if I just click here, they'll unlock it for me. Well, I looked at the link and it was not going to a Capital One server. It was going to a Capital one two server and uh and that would have captured my password and my user id wow so oh. just like that they would have had access to my banking information and wow my money so you you really want to look at every link before you click it um if it is from a financial service or some other thing that's important amazon um amazon go to their website and then navigate to what it's telling you to do if it's your bank, there's going to be something on there. If they're saying, oh, your account is locked, they'll have some way either either through their actual website or through a phone number that you can get your account unlocked if it's really locked. If they're telling you that you've got fraud detected, things like that, their website will direct you how to find if you've really got fraud. So don't don't fall for that. And never, ever buy gift cards to pay your electric bill. <laughs> we'll never ask you to do such a thing. The scam on that because I've heard you mention that before. Somebody sends you an email that says your electric bill is due. We need fifty dollars in Best Buy gift cards. Either that, or they call you on the phone and say, yeah. "Oh yeah, your electric bill is overdue. We're about to shut your power off." But oh, if you only go and give us five hundred dollars worth of gift cards from Walmart, we'll take care of this for you. Oh That's, my gosh, that yeah. seems that seems like a Darwin test, right? If you're stupid enough to fall for that, then so you my, don't need. Yeah, exactly. Like you shouldn't fall for it, but it's easy. I think, I think it's easy for some of these people to talk you into things. That's what they're trained to do. Um, my husband listens to a, a podcast from AARP that talks all about all the different fraud schemes. And, uh, so sometimes I sit in when he's listening to those. So it's, and, it's, and it's things like buy gift cards and my husband got one from. And, from supposedly Amazon, and it it wasn't. Mm-hmm. He looked at the at the return address in the yep. email, and it was it wasn't Amazon. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. almost inevitable that it would be Amazon since they've taken over the entire planet. Of course, scammers bomb <laughs> onto them. Like, like twenty five emails from Amazon a day now, uh, right? Me too. And me from too. people pretending to be Amazon. <laughs> I've never yeah. had that. <laughs> so it, okay, no, no clicks on any on people that you have not first verified. That's right. Yep. It's very important. And another thing, use strong passwords. I recommend that you get a password manager. I use one called Dashlane. I think um, there's one through uh, iCloud that you can use as well. Um, I'm pretty I use sure LastPass. LastPass is a good one. Yeah, there's many different ones. But one of the things that it'll do is it'll help you to remember your passwords because you shouldn't be reusing them for accounts. Like I have one that I use for um, accounts that don't matter to me. If there's no money involved and it's just information, I have one password that I use for them. Bad practice, but I do it anyway. But you shouldn't do that for anything important. And you should um, activate two-factor authentication whenever possible. And if you're using a password manager, it can generate random passwords that no one will ever guess. 
and make it easy for you to, to, to store them and remember them. So, and another thing is never share your credentials. Somebody from Verizon is not going to call and ask you for your user ID and your password. It just doesn't happen. So don't fall for that scam either. You know, don't, don't. Password. I, I, I instigated a password protector that my brother-in-law Scott set me up with and it, screwed me up almost immediately because it didn't synchronize with my phone and my iPad and all this other stuff. And so now I was having to key in 24 character obscurenesses. It really, I found it so annoying that now I just use really random and I keep a written log of what my passwords are, which is ridiculous. No, that's fine too. It's a pain in the butt, but it's important. There are several password managers that you can put on your phone, your tablet, your PC. So, you know, those, if, if you're looking for recommendations, I can certainly talk about that. Um, I, like I said, I use Dashlane because I can get the passwords on anything. So. I'm the same with LastPass. LastPass I have it on my phone and on my computer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can and also so- have it on an iPad or whatever. When- Something with a with an email, it says either give me your fingerprint or tell me your secret code, and I will ins- install the twenty four bit, twenty four character. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll do if it. If you're using I'll- Apple products, you can use Keychain. Keychain. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that comes with Apple products, and it's there all the time. Okay. All right. Do you mind that I tell my computer to remember my passwords? No. No. So long as your computer itself is secure and you've got a good password on it. I do. Ha, 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 I do. Okay. All right. I, I do that too for a lot of websites. I, I just, I need them to just go when I point, yes. I point and click. Right. So the last thing I want to talk about for cyber hygiene is um, install all those patches and updates. Um, you're going to get security alerts for different things. Um, there are many vulnerabilities discovered all the time. Install those patches as soon as it's convenient to do so. Um, and if it says it's urgent, believe them. <laughs> I have a friend who didn't patch his system for two and a half years and was surprised when he was hacked and lost everything. Oh, no. no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Are you okay with uh, automatic updates? My my computer reaches out occasionally and says there are updates. Go ahead. Hit the button. It depends on your comfort level. I don't have it do them automatically because it reboots overnight sometimes and if i've got stuff on my laptop i don't want to have to come in in the morning and like oh i had these three presentations open and ready to go for my eight o'clock call and now they're gone they're closed i have to find them again Um, so i don't don't let it do them automatically i I like to choose a time but i make it reasonable within one or two days of uh, a new security alert so but you know when the new security alert comes out, you're keyed into it. Apple will tell you too, and so will Microsoft. Yes, um, they'll those when it comes up and tells you, you have updates available. Yeah, click on it, click on it to see what it is. Okay, and it'll tell you if it's a security alert or if it's just another one of those stupid guitar right. or whatever that music studio right, thing right, is. Right, right, right. Yeah, that they want to update like every thirty nine minutes. Right, um, right. <laughs> so they do. Go yeah. watch. <laughs> well, that I don't care about. I don't use it, so I'm not going to worry about updating. But if it's a, if it's an operating system patch or something that's important, I want to make sure I get okay. the, the updates. All right, very good. Okay, so that's basically our cyber hygiene discussion for the day. A good cyber hygiene discussion. I have three things to do now, so thank you. Oh, that's awesome. So now let's <laughs> talk about mail privacy protection, MPP. 
Yes, this is a new feature that Apple announced in June 2021 and started uh, making available in September 2021. And it's um, iOS uh, 15 and all of the equivalents thereof have that available. It is something users have to click on to make it work. They have to activate it. And it's aimed at controlling what information is shared via email. So currently, um, as marketers, um, we like to collect information like, um, when did someone open this? Did they open it, number one? When did they open it? Where were they when they opened it? Um, especially like stores and banks. I no, I don't know that information. Well, you could. I'm you sure could. you could. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's, um, it's embedded in the email itself. Like I, I have some features in the, the emails that I'm sending out for the social group that I belong to that says, um, you know, based on where uh, and your email address, I can tell if you're a member or not a member. And I can, you know, so like banks have a, they can put in your nearest branch or Wegmans. Here's your lead, here's your nearest store. So all those defaults based on location are kind of interesting. This has a huge impact on any email campaign or any marketer that is relying on tracking opening information and open rates. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So what, how does this work? I think it's important to understand how it works so that you can understand what the impact is. So when you send out a marketing email, it's going to have embedded in it a tiny dot called a pixel. It's an image that's in there that has to be downloaded by your email program. And um, it is so tiny that you can't really see it with the naked eye. Um, wow. But it, it goes to a URL, uh, which is basically an internet address, to download that image. And that sends a signal to a tracking agent and provides some data. It'll tell you, number one, Yes, you, the, your, your um, user opened the email, what device they're on, what their IP address is, uh, what their browser is, what their OS is. All this stuff is possible to gather. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Already, I have, I have to stop you. I use an email service provider called Active Campaign, mm-hmm. and I send out emails to my newsletter subscriber. Mm-hmm. Uh, subscribers plural more than one and when i do it will tell me what percentage of people has opened the email but as far as i know that's really? all i earn yeah and that's, and that's all the software that you're using does collect my um, software I, cyber- I use mailer light and i get the number of people who open it or the percentage depending on Whatever. Right. Um, I get where they are. I get what browser unit users they're u- what browser they're using. Do not. You're lying. I do. Yes, it's all available. Yep. yep. All right. I'm it's going. The to stuff, it's the same point. stuff that any anybody with a website can track. When you click on a, a a link to go to a website, all that information is available to whoever the whoever owns the website. <laughs> Um, carry on, carry on. Completely on. innocuous, um, you know, except that it links to other marketing information so that they can develop a profile for you. And, and it uses your IP address most most often to generate that. So based on your IP address, it can say, well, 
Prue, you've been to Amazon today, and you also went over to Procter & Gamble's website, and you bought new shoes, and you uh, <laughs> looked at a car, and uh, you bought, you looked at some new flooring, and it puts all that information together and says, oh, you know, Prue might be interested in these products now. <laughs> so. Right. Sometimes I'm doing research for a uh, for a novel and think, oh, boy, this is going to mess with my Amazon algorithm. Oh, yeah. I okay, was- now here's what they'll tell me. Oh, I guess this is just the overview. Open reads, clicks, GEO, social. Okay, I'm sorry. G- yeah, GEO is geolocation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to ask you that question because clearly there are places I haven't looked yet on my on my site. So, yeah. And I think uh, most, I, I think I most often we're just interested in how, who opened the email and when. Yes. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but there's so much more that is available. So I, I want to point out, number one, that um, the use of this pixel tracking, it's called, um, has never been as accurate as it should be. Um, there's all kinds of ways that people can circumvent it. There are URL blockers that will prevent those little pixels from being downloaded. There's some anti-tracking software that'll block it. If you're on a corporate or government, uh, in my case, government customer site, a lot of the uh, links are blocked automatically in emails. So, you know, those things are um, not as accurate as we'd like them to be anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, it, 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 and um, the other thing I want to talk about is how how this actually, how Apple does this. Um, so what they do, yeah, and first of all, I want to point out that it's only people who are using an Apple email application. So far, it's only. What's that? So far. But so I believe this, that Apple is leading the way and others are going to fall into line. That's very possible. Google did something similar in 2013. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think there'll be other things, other other. Um, apps that'll do something similar. But anyway, so how, how does it do its magic? Um, how does it protect privacy? So what Apple has done is insert their own email servers between you and your receiver. So the, and th- those servers are downloading all of the emails and all of the links to the Apple server. So all of those pixels get opened, whether somebody clicked on the email or not. So now all of a sudden, for anybody who's got this feature enabled, your open rate is 100%. Wow. So you have no idea, did they really open it? Didn't they open it? So that that statistic, any statistics based on open uh, are out the window. Okay. Is there a dystopian novel in this where Apple decides now we're taking over the world because they have all the information? I suppose anything's possible. But oh, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm the, I'm forever optimistic about cybersecurity and uh, AI and machine learning and the, and the fate of humanity. Anyway, <laughs> so, All right. but uh, yeah, so that's uh, you know, your open rates are going to be inflated. Click to open rates will be skewed if you're automatically resending an email because somebody didn't open it. Like I have a one particular program I use that. Four days later, it sends it again because somebody didn't open it. All of those things are, are kind of not working. Um, and anything that's based on geolocation is now going to pick up the location of the Apple server, not the, the intended, intended recipient of the email. So the estimates that I'm reading say that up to 50% or so of Apple users will probably activate this feature. 
They're um, very, they're vigorous. Apple's pushy about it. They, they stay right up front. Do you want to protect your email or don't you? <clears throat> Basically. So they're making it seem like you ought to, but there's still a lot of people who might not do it. And so, this is only on the iPhone or is it on Macs as well? <clears throat> any, any Apple device, any okay. device that uses the Apple email program. Okay. I've seen it mm-hmm. on all my devices. Yep. And I, I, I've seen it pop up on my new version of my phone, too. <clears throat> it asked me that question. Do you want to protect your email? Well, God, yes, I want to protect my email. I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> so that's kind of the process. So you kind of get into this weird world where Apple is <clears throat> kind of an intermediary. Um, they're going to basically open every email as it passes through their server and download every link and cache it and um and in the process protect their end users from um from having their information shared if they don't want it to be shared. So well if they are if they are they're taking all the emails and then distributing them to people, and I'm sorry to be so paranoid, but is there any reason why we assume that Apple isn't putting its own pixel into the email that they pass on to me? I mean machine learning and I mean, Skynet. if I was an Apple marketer, I'd certainly be con- be, be considering something like that. Absolutely. I'd want to know all that click data. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. You can monetize that. Absolutely right. Oh, my so when, God. When, when Prue actually opens the email that I sent her and Apple gets the notification that it was open, boy, I'd like to know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then well, how come... How come I just sent out my newsletter? I send it out on the 15th of every month and I still have all of this information. 31, 32% people opened it. And I know from, you know, what browser and where they are and what they click. You still are going to get the information. It just might not be accurate anymore. Huh. Okay. Okay. It might be, um, it might be an Apple server opening the email instead of the person you sent it to. It might be the location, the geolocation of the Apple server that you're receiving now instead of the, the, re- the location of your intended recipient. Well, I still have a lot of people around the yep. world opening Remember that email. it's only people who use Apple right. products, and it's only people who click the little button that says, yes, protect my email. I even so. have somebody in Ghana. Wow. One of the, uh, one of the statistics <laughs> I read um, last night as I was kind of doing some additional research is that right now only about 22% of people have actually started using this. Okay. Okay. 22%. And we'll hope that it stays that low. We'll hope it will, but there's some things we can do, uh, you know, and that's kind of the next thing I want to talk about. What can you do as a marketer um, that can make this a little bit better for you? The first thing is to understand that those numbers were never a hundred percent accurate anyway. You know, so let's um, talk about the, you know, determine the potential impact on your audience of this feature. Um, Some people are actually segmenting their Apple users from their non-Apple users so that they can keep the statistics a little more pure for non-Apple users. And for the Apple users, they're using different things. So um, because I get device information, I know they've opened it on an Apple device. I can put them in a separate mar- in a separate audience and I can do different things to track that data and see what the engagement level is for that group. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's one thing you could do. And I see, I don't know, I looked at four different marketing programs last night that, that 
you know, have some features to kind of get around this. And that was one of the first ones they talk about. Segment your audience. Um, understand that, you know, hey, for my Apple users, the numbers that I've been using traditionally aren't quite right. I got to do something a little different. So um, focus on things like click-through rates. Did somebody actually click on a link in my email? Yeah. Did they buy something? Did they look at something? Did they read something I attached? Purchase rates are a great number. They're a great statistic. Um, they're really hard to fake. Uh, somebody's not going to go out and buy a book based on, uh, you know, their desire to try to defraud my, my email system. Uh, <laughs> so um, look at your unsubscribes, look at your bounces, your bad email addresses. People may have blocked your, your email from getting to them. Um, look at spam reports where people are saying and clicking and indicating that your email is spam. You probably get a percentage somewhere of people for all of those categories. Damn, um, I don't know where those categories are. I want that. Um, as I understand it, if I include too many links in my email, I'm more likely to push in, be pushed into a spam folder. Is that right? That's true. There's a lot of characteristics now that are getting automatically marked as spam. Right. As the spam programs get smarter. Uh, there's some things that will push you into spam world. The other thing is, like I said, some corporations um, actually will block links. I know uh, my husband's company does that. They block all the links in the email, um, and you have to actually manually copy them to a browser. You can't just click on them. Wow. Um, okay. So if I include one link to something groovy that I want you to see, right, in order to inspire a, a good reading of click-through rates... And one link that says, here's my website, you're the coolest, love you madly, mm-hmm. go buy a book. Um, that's that's two links. You're probably good with that. I haven't probably. done enough research to know what the spam programs are doing, but I definitely would do that for you if you want. And that could be another topic. Yeah, could be. <laughs> well, yeah, could be. <laughs> okay. Uh, I look I'm at sorry. stuff like that a lot, but I just haven't focused too much on spam because um, it's not a cybersecurity concern for me. Sure, sure. So, sure. Okay, all right. Okay. Well, your, I have another you. stupid question. There are no What's the questions. difference between a hard bounce and a soft bounce? So a soft bounce means that the uh, email may have been temporarily undeliverable. And there are a bunch of different reasons that can be. There could be something going on with the the email service that the user is using. There could be something funky about the email address, the the routing that it's taking longer than usual to get delivered. Um, the internet, people don't understand how the internet works. There are thousands and thousands of, thousands of servers and they all have to talk to each other to get things to move along. And sometimes there's a bowel obstruction. It's a system of tubes. Constipation. Yes, there's constipation in a tube somewhere and it takes longer to get to where it belongs. And that's called a soft bounce. It's okay. But that means that soft bounces actually went through and hard bounces didn't. Soft bounces are pending. That means they're, they're waiting to go through. Once they go through, then they're no longer a bounce. Okay. Okay. So I ignore the bounces. On my list, I ignore my bounces. Okay. I just figure they'll either come back or they'll unsubscribe one or the other or be kicked yeah, off. It, they could or, be an indication that somebody's just that interested and they've blocked your emails. They've marked you as junk mail and you're, and you're no longer being delivered. So that's, that's an indicator you can look at too for engagement um, in terms of marketing. Okay. 
you start seeing a large number of those, and it, you may want to question whether your content is relevant to the audience at that point. What? It's I know, totally. I know. <laughs> I, who <laughs> wouldn't want to read all of your stuff, darling? It's all wonderful. Of course, of course. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, and then um, the other thing uh, to look at: uh, some people are switching over to sending text messages instead of emails because they they go through. And if people click on the link there, then you know they've clicked it. So that's another thing some marketers are using. I hate it when people do that to me. It would That is a real quick way to get blocked by me, unless I've asked you to. And of course, usually um, SMS text messages you have to opt in anyway. And the other thing is, you know, as you as you do your research and you segment resegment your um, all of your um, audience, so that you know, hey. Who are these people being impacted by MPP? Um, you want to probably think about resetting your baseline metrics. So if you're used to getting a, an open rate of 40%, uh, understand that uh, you're, you're, that that number isn't valid anymore and pick a new number to look at. And you think the number is going to look higher than it did before? It will look higher than it did before, yes. Yep. Well, I was kind of. I've already seen it. I've already seen it with. I know. Me too. That I send out. Uh, We went from about a 33% open rate to about a about a 49%. And looking at the devices those emails are reaching, I can see that a lot of them are Apple users. So. (laughs) I so many questions, but mine are geared towards you know me, me, me. So I have. (laughs) on all of them but man you have really made me think i need to go and explore active campaign and my email service provider and see what i'm not paying attention to mm-hmm. and also look at the solutions that they're offering in terms of uh, you know how to get around this mpp and how to get better information and then um the last thing that i sent you over uh, and it's something i don't know if you have the ability to share links with your with your podcast we do, we do the show notes Absolutely. Yeah. If you do show yeah. notes, you may want to copy some of those links that I sent over to you. Um, that'll give you some more reading and more information. I'm up for your whole- directly from, you know, people that provide uh, campaigns and marketing. And so it talks about especially what their products will do, but all of them seem to be trending in the same direction. Do you mind if I just put the entire PowerPoint into the show oh, notes? Please do. Absolutely. Okay. Please let people see that. That, that I could do. Mm-hmm. At least I think I can. We'll figure it out. I can. Okay. Good. <laughs> share knowledge. That's how we. Uh, that's how we uh, get further ahead in this world as we share with each other. Exactly. Civilization, specialized knowledge. Yes. <laughs> so there's a lot going on here. Yeah, I gave you a lot to think about. And, uh, you gave me a lot to think about. Okay, I have a question. If you don't mind, Pro. Um. Website security. Mm-hmm. I have a WordPress site and I use Jetpack. So do I. And Ta-da. I also use Akismet uh-huh. to to filter out spam comments mm-hmm. and crap. And I use Captcha. I use that as well. Do you use a Captcha group. as well? Yes. I don't because I find them incredibly annoying when I just want to quickly respond to a blog post. 
Oh my God, especially <laughs> the ones that are like, click on all the bicycles. And you're like, I don't, I can't even see that. Is that a bicycle? Isn't that a bicycle? I don't know if that's a bicycle. So I go through like five different rounds before I get it right. I hate that too, but sometimes I do it because it's important. I want to make sure that it's not a, some kind of a robot just scanning. So, well, that's why I have Akismet. Yeah, absolutely. That's another one that helps a lot. So that's, you know, a lot of that you, stuff. Hang just, on. Meredith has that because she sells books on her website. Ah, got it. Okay. I, I ah. also have, yeah, I have a HTTPS account yes. website. Yes. I do too, but account. I don't. Secure, that's a secure website. Yep. So that establishes a secure connection to your end user. So that data is encrypted going back and forth. Right. I bought that too when I set up my website and I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm paying for that, but I don't need it because I'm and not selling anything. It's a spectacular feature, and I can show you how to get around it in about 10 minutes. Oh. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dear. That's what I, that's what I do for a living. So. <laughs> just have to, I want to interject. Before you answer about website security, I just want to point out that Chuck told me a story about he was in a bar, and he didn't like the music they were playing. And he said to the guy, could you turn the music down? And the guy said, no, I cannot turn the music down. And so Chuck hacked into their system and turned ah. off their music. Ah. <laughs> I actually canceled his playlist and replaced it with one I thought was more appropriate. Ah. <laughs> well, we were in a gay bar and the song he was playing, I'm just going to say it. The name of the song was No Faggots. Oh, and if we're in oh a gay no. bar, you can't be playing that. No, he's the bartender and he had this huge attitude. He's a straight bartender and shouldn't have been working there because of his attitude about our kind. So um, I don't believe he's working there anymore after the conversation I had with his manager. Good. Good for you. Yeah. But I I hacked him and I, I, I reprogrammed his jukebox for him. And then I locked him out of it for two hours, set up a playlist that included all my favorites. Uh, Did it have girls like Judy girls? Garland and Liza Minnelli and Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga. And then I swanned out and left it that way, locked for two hours so he couldn't do anything about it except listen to what I played. You're awesome. You're awesome. awesome. Sorry Absolutely. interrupting with this gorgeous urban myth, which is not a myth. The question was, inter- my website security. Please. Okay. So, um, so it sounds like you're doing a lot of the right things. Jetpack gives you a lot of good data too about, um, who's accessing your website, uh, stuff like that. Um, so there are some other security things that have to look at what you're doing to see if it was more secure or less secure. Again, there's a, there's many specialized systems that handle website security. You want to make sure that you've got, a, you know, your stuff is behind a good firewall. You want to make sure that um, you're protecting, you're using secure. If you're doing any sort of financial transactions, you're using secure connections. It sounds like you're doing that. Well, so. actually, I use PayHip to sell my book. And so I'm not actually taking the money. I'm There's no money going through my site. It goes mm-hmm. through PayHip, which uses PayPal. Yes, absolutely. So that is a very secure transaction. Right. So, yeah. So that's important. You know, make sure that you, you've got secure. Any financial stuff is secure. Um, if you're sending um, personally identifiable information back and forth, make sure that's secured. Um, financial credit card information, secure that. And understand that at some point, somebody will hack your website. Um, it's just how it works. 
So. so back up your website as well. Yes, back it up. Which is the sure. other thing that Jack, I recently upgraded my Jetpack to back up my website every day. I don't know how to back up my website. Whee! Get Jetpack. Right. It backs it up every, like every day. Yeah. But do, uh, back up the website. My website's not going to crap. I mean, I don't understand. This is you absolutely blown my mind. I have to back up my website like I back up my computer. Yeah. Now, if it, it depends on how your website is managed, if you're using something like Wix, Wix has you can automatically roll back. So you've got different versions. If somebody does something to it, you can roll it back to a previous version. So some of the some of the website tools automatically have that stuff built in. Some like WordPress are more flexible, more codable. They let you do your own, manage your own stuff. So. I'm happy to have Wix. When it happens, Jack, for you, ma'am. You're using Wix. That's excellent. I am. I am. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I'm done with that topic. All right. <laughs> now you've been question enough. Mary, are you happy? Yes, I am. Thank you. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well done, wise and good Chuck. <laughs> um, Chuck, you're not available for consultation. I mean, if somebody's listening who says, oh, I got to hire that guy. That's not what you do for a living. It's not what I generally do. If I can help, of course I will. And <laughs> if it's a, I think you know that's my nature. But um, yeah. if um, I can recommend people that can help as well, right? How does someone go about finding their version of Chuck? <laughs> so, internet searches are your friend. There's a lot of people that do this as a business. You know, from individuals who do it to companies who do it. Um, sort of depends on your needs too. Everyone should have some good IT person. If they've got their own website, if they've got, you know, uh, stuff they're trying to sell online, you can help them in an emergency and, and make those connections before you get to a point where you need them. Chuck, I don't, I don't want to practice on my friendship with you. I want you to be my friend after the emergency. I'm going to need to find someone. You have to recommend, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you. You have, need to recommend someone yeah. that I can like keep on retainer or pay them to like me or something so that so that i don't just abuse you yeah even if you beg me (laughs) you can probably charge extra for that (laughs) oh how do you know you're not hiring someone who is now going to steal everything from you i mean because once you allow someone access to your your privacy you have to trust them Absolutely. And especially if you're asking them to do remote support, if you're giving someone permission to remote into your system, you got to make sure there's somebody that you really trust. They're an organization that has good security and you understand that, you know, they have a good reputation or it's somebody you personally trust very much. Like mm-hmm. I do that. I, I used to do that for my grandmother. I would just take over her system remotely and do things for her. And then mm-hmm. as soon as I hung up the phone, she'd undo them. But that's another story. <laughs> I can actually recommend somebody for people looking for website security and information. Do it, Carla. Because there is, he spoke with the WR, with the Washington Romance Writers. Not sure if he's a member of the Washington Romance Writers. I'm pretty sure he's a member of the Romance Writers of America. Is it Nate Hoffelder? It is Nate Hoffelder. He's taking over as director of programs. He's awesome. Oh, fantastic. I'll put Um, a link. Show notes. Yeah, put a link into the show notes. He um, will go in and 
and yeah, uh, he has full access to my website because he will go in and fix things for me from time to time. Yes. When oh. it's beyond me. Oh, that's awesome. One thing I forgot to mention is sometimes you'll be on a website and it will pop up and say that you have a virus and click here and we'll help you fix it. Never do that. Those are those are scammers and they're looking to steal from you. So never right. do that. Just if you have to just reboot your machine to get rid of that message and don't do it. So. Okay. Good to know. Mary, and also for Chuck, but Chuck, you probably are much higher level. Mary, what would you expect to pay if you called up Nate and said, I have an issue, I need some help before it becomes uh, a terrible mistake? What do you think Nate would charge you? We can find out from Nate. I'm just wondering if you know a price. I do not know his price because I used him. uh, I won his services, free services. from a Washington romance writers raffle. But here's but, the good thing. He gave you those free services in the hopes that you chat him up. And now he's on your podcast. And We're gonna- look at that. It totally worked because totally he worked. was wonderful. And, and really who doesn't want, he calls himself a website concierge. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love it too. I think it's perfect. He is the author's IT guy. Nate Hoffelder. And of course, it's a digital world, man. You can, you can, it doesn't matter where you are, Nate can help you. So now we have a good person. Chuck, what would you think? So how much, when someone said 200 bucks an hour, you'd say, no, don't use him. You said 200? I don't know. It depends. How, how emergency is it? Is it, if I just lost my whole website or my whole, my whole system and I need to get it back? I might pay that much, but there are some commercial services. Norton offers it. McAfee offers it. For $79 to $129, they'll do certain fixes for you. Um, they'll help you fix, uh, you know, hey, I've got this malware issue. They'll help you take that out of your system. So there's some commercial services that'll do it for a pretty reasonable price. But that's one thing, like I, like I said, if you make those connections before you have an emergency, you know how much it's going to cost you. You've had a chance to shop around. You're not in blind panic mode. So when the first person says it's $500 an hour, you don't just scream out, yes, here's my credit card, because you're all panicked. Um, so that's why I suggest that you kind of look around a little bit ahead, make the connection, uh, understand what your cost might be, your cost structure and stuff like that. And then you're ready to go if it happens. I should say when it happens. <laughs> Yes, that's very valuable. And I am delighted with that idea because I do need someone. We are well over our uh, self-imposed limit. We're at 51 minutes now, which is I hope I hope everybody else was as fascinated by this as I am. Chuck, you're a you're a hero to me. Thank you so much for sharing this very valuable information at a level even I can understand. I'm always happy to help. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much, Chuck. So wise and so full of useful and important information that every author should know. And this was a lot of fun, too. Good. Uh, Meredith, next week, you and I are going to talk about Gail Carragher's The Heroine's Journey. Oh, look, now Chuck's interested, too. Ooh, The Heroine's Journey. I might have to log in for that one. (laughs) You will. Come back. You can chat with us too about it. It's very fast. Thank you so much, Chuck. We love you madly. I love you guys too. Thank you so much. Bye, Mary. Bye.
That's it for the writer's block party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.